Welcome in to the Get Your Happy On Hour, featuring former Husker receiver Ricky Simmons. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Just to get your happy on hour, I'm your host, Ricky C. Simmons. Hey, look, I'm going to be real honest with you. I've been having a unique week, and I'm very honored that you guys are tuned in to check it out. Uh, I want to start off by giving a big shout-out to Kiwanis Club. Kiwanis Club had had me uh, as a speaker Friday, and, man, I had a blast. They treated me with the utmost respect. I can never thank them enough for that and look forward for any other future opportunities to speak for them, and I appreciate the sponsoring of the show. I, uh, they got a website, I think. Uh, I think uh, Austin, tell them about the website. Yeah, lincolnkiwanis.org, Lincoln as in our city, K-I-W-A-N-I-S.org. What more do you need to know other than you'll get to listen to Ricky talk? Oh, absolutely. Be, be a member. There you go. That's a sales pitch right there. There you go. And also, I want to give a big shout out to everybody that's uh, taking time to go to my website, which is rickycsimmons.com. Shop home. Is that right? Did I say that right? Nailed it. Perfect. Nailed it. Yeah. Order your gear, man, and uh, join the Get Your Happy On movement. Don't forget to take a picture when you receive your your gear and uh, tag me in that. Post it on social media and make me famous, man. I'm trying to trying to focus on getting you happy on as much as possible. Man, I got people tuning in from Dallas, Texas, or AKA Forney, Texas. <clears throat> I just got a message from my little brother, Brad Taylor, and Michelle May River down there in Forney. Man, I appreciate y'all tuning in. That means the world to me to have people, especially people from back home, man. I mean, that, that that's huge, so. Thank you guys for tuning in. You know, I, I was thinking about the accountability thing. Uh, accountability is taking a hit in our society, and that's just my personal opinion. Seems like to me, people are just having a hard time with accountability. But you know, we got a solution for that. We just never, never give in and never give up because uh, staying positive and focusing on the positive things in life. By no means do I say I want you to think that this is easy because it's not. It takes a lot of work. You got to work really hard at this. And I promise you it'll be worth it because your stress level will be lower. And that alone is worth it. Speaking of accountability, I got my big brother in the house tonight. And when I say big brother, let me explain this to y'all. All former Nebraska football players that played before me are my big brothers. All f- Nebraska football players that played after me, they're my little brothers. And the ones that played with me, we're just brothers. That's just how this thing rolls. It's been this way ever since I can remember. Everybody knows him. His name is William Bryant, but we all call him Dollar Bill. Dollar Bill, welcome to the show, man. Uh, thanks, Rick. Hey, man, I got to ask you right quick, man, before we get started. I definitely don't want you to forget that I need you to tell us about some things, but I'll ask you these questions later. Before we get started, I want everybody else to know what I know. So we're going to start off with where did you grow up? I grew for the first 13 years of my life. I lived in a place called Decatur, Alabama. Decatur, Alabama. Okay, now when you was in Alabama – Something must have happened, if I remember correctly. 
because you wind up leaving the state. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. You want to tell me about that, or you want to? You gonna make me beg you? I sure will beg now. Well, actually, about age thirteen, my father and I had an agreement uh, that when I felt that I no longer could abide abide by the rules of his house, then I needed to find my own house. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, this was at 13? At, wow. At 13, I made a business decision to strike out on my own and see whether I could make my way in the world. At 13, Dollar, I mean, a lot of people now, I'm just trying to put this in perspective. A lot of people at 13 is not trying to leave home. That's the last thing they're trying to do. So what did you do? I mean, where did you go? Uh, just bounced around, uh, worked odd jobs, slept in parks and shelters. How long did you do that, Dollar? Mm, off and on for about a year. I, I would, uh, would call couch surf at friends' houses and even stayed with my older sister for a few months. So you just basically was, I mean, how was you really, other than living off of people that you knew, I mean, because at 13, you can't even get a job. Yeah, I made a lot of attempts and told people that I was older than I was. Oh, okay. So, so that's how that worked out. Well, what made you leave Alabama, Dog? Well, actually, at some point, the authorities found out that I was, uh, living on the streets and and I was picked up by the uh, juvenile system. Okay, and that was in Alabama? Yes. Now, okay, when they picked you up, what was the next move? You stayed there for? Well, they kept me for about eight months until they could find a placement for me. Okay, and and I'm, I'm guessing here, but that placement was not in Alabama. No, I was I was accepted to Boys Town. Okay, in Omaha. Yes. Okay. Well, can you can you kind of tell us about that experience at uh at Boys Town? Yeah, it it was it was quite different. Uh, before leaving Alabama, I had never gone to uh, an integrated school. Uh, all the schools that I had attended up until the time I left Alabama were segregated schools, although they had started busing. Um, I left prior to having to go to a school that was integrated. So I had to adapt to being around a lot of different ethnicities and cultures. How was that for you? Was that was that a difficult adjustment? Yeah, it it, it I had a period of adjustment. Because if I remember right, I, I know some of the stories. I'm just trying to get to the, I'm trying to get you to share. Because I know, I know that you, you wasn't the type that was just going to get run over, so I'm sure you ran into some adversity. Yeah, I, I had a few uh, discussions <laughs> that that actually became physical <laughs> a, a few times before I kind of learned the rules of the, of the home. So uh, I learned to let the adults handle those type things but after living on the streets for a little over a year I I tended to take matters into my own hands but they 
they quickly informed me that uh, my job was to study, go to school, go to school, and and be a successful student. So you end up staying at Boys Town until you graduated high school. Is that correct? Yep, I graduated. So was that seventy four? In seventy four. Now, um, after you graduated from Boys Town, did you stay there, or did you? What did you do? Because I know they do have the ability to. For I don't know if they did then, but I know now because I've been up there recently. They have after after you graduate, they have programs where you can kind of get out into the world, get used to working, and still stay on campus. Did you do that? No, the aftercare programs weren't in place at that time. Okay. But I'd already decided that I was going to college, and and I participated in several sports there. Okay. My favorite being football. Uh, my senior year was going along splendidly, and about midseason I had a an MCL tear in my right knee, which kind of dashed some of my hopes of the scholarship offers. Okay, okay. Uh, so what happened after that? I, I was still encouraged by the University of Nebraska to, if I healed up, you know, I was more than welcome to walk on and attempt to earn a scholarship or playing time uh, in Lincoln. Okay, so, so when you so you chose that route, you walked on in Nebraska. Now tell us about that experience, man. Walking on in Nebraska, what was that like for you? I mean, from Alabama to Boys Town to the University of Nebraska. Well, it was uh, it was eye opening. I mean, you know, when you're used to being kind of a big man on campus, and you show up in the fall and. Just about everybody there is a big man. On <laughs> uh, one of the things that I did promise the juvenile court judge, though, before I left Alabama, uh, was that if I decided to go to college and play football, that I would come back and attend the University of Alabama. Oh. <laughs> so, but when they didn't show the type of interest that I thought I merited, then I decided to stay put. Besides, after being in Nebraska for a while, I became a convert uh, because I came to Nebraska talking about how tough the Crimson Tide was and you know how they were going to do some things. And, and uh, Nebraska wound up playing Alabama in, in an Orange Bowl my, my first year, and Nebraska pretty much ate. University of Alabama's lunch, so uh, I kind of piped down on some of my <laughs> braggadocious. <laughs> so, when you uh, walked on in Nebraska, what what position did you come up come in as? Uh, I came in as a middle guard or nose tackle. Nose tackle. Yeah. And freshman year, how'd that how'd it work out for you? They had a freshman team then for. Yeah, the, yeah. Okay, oh so. yeah. I, I started on all the games on the freshman team. Had a outstanding freshman year. Actually, was approached by a couple other Big Eight teams about coming to play there on scholarship. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I decided to stay put. I had bounced around quite a bit, and I decided, well, you know, I'd made a lot of friends, and and I'd been in Nebraska a number of years even before coming to Lincoln. So I decided to just take my chances in at the university okay okay so 
Got through the freshman year with quite a bit of success, and then sophomore year. Sophomore year was a redshirt year. It was a redshirt so. year. So you got you had, you got to do the scout team thing. Yeah, yeah. Boy, I've been there and done that. That's 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 a tough thing, you know. And, and just to put it in perspective, a lot of people don't understand that uh, Nebraska football in the seventies and eighties and nineties, I can say, was very, very, very physical because uh, that's just the brand of ball that that, that was played. Uh, rule changes. And other things kind of made it a little different after, I would say, after the the 90s. But for the most part, man, when you was on scout team, I mean, that was rough. So you made it through your your redshirt year. Tell us what happened next. Well, my my sophomore year, after my redshirt year, my redshirt sophomore year, I moved along at a pretty good pace and – uh, during spring ball, uh, I re-injured that same knee. And the one that you injured in that high school? That I'd injured in high school. Oh, wow. Okay. And, you know, I had, I had a choice of whether to keep playing on it or to try to let it heal completely because I had rushed back from the initial injury. Mm-hmm. And, and so it kind of – it, it kind of affected my spirits, but, you know, I knew that every Wednesday in the fall there was an opportunity to move up on the depth chart. So we scrimmaged full, full-blown full scrimmage every Wednesday. So, mm-hmm. you know, and your, your job was never secure, at least not on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, to earn it. By the way, all all defensive guys I think need anger management. That's just something I need to throw in there because they all had bad intentions. Everywhere they went, they was trying to disrupt things. <laughs> but <laughs> go ahead, Dollar. I just had yeah. to get that in. Yeah. No, no. I mean, it was, you know, you played with some abandon. I mean, uh, you know, I had an opportunity to move to the offensive side of the ball in the offensive line, uh, but I, I just liked, you know, Seeking and destroying. So it was. Uh, <laughs> See what I mean by the defensive guy. You know, it was a mentality, and there were some things that you could get out of your system. I mean, yeah. You know, I I wasn't in brawls and bars and all that kind of stuff. So because you got a lot a lot of that pin up stuff out of you every every time you strapped on the pads, which was problematic for some of the people that I played against on the offensive line because there were times when they would call half speed and I didn't know but one speed. <laughs> and uh, I, I figured if, if I got caught slipping, then, yeah. you know, something bad might happen. So I just played at one speed. Well, Dollar, I, I do want you to share this one story that, that you told me before that was I thought was funny. The um, – you came off. I guess y'all were at a bowl game, and you you came off the plane. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> can you share that with us? <laughs> well, I did have the dubious honor of one year of being named uh, best 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 dress player. Okay, <laughs> because some of my my attire was was unusual. <laughs> what do you mean by that, Dolly? Go ahead and tell us. Tell us I, what I, I, you know, I, I identified with 
Superfly and, and a lot of the other <laughs> images from some of the black exploitation films of the 70s. So I wore maxi coat, platform shoes, you know, butterfly collar shirts. <laughs> and I even had a couple of fur hats. So yeah, I was, I was that guy. Yeah, yeah, I was that uh, guy. Yeah, but somebody told me something about, you. you uh, I think you told me this too about you had a, Put a dollar bill sign on your shoe. Yeah, yeah. I wore white high top cleats with red dollar signs on. The, on the <laughs> so you was making sure people knew who you was. <laughs> I don't know. I was kind of a character. <laughs> but no, that's okay, man. I mean, I, 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 I can identify with that because coming from the south myself, I, I know exactly where you're coming from. I just want our, our listeners and our viewers to, to understand exactly who you are. Now, after your college football career, what what was your next move? Uh, I, I actually went to work uh, after the 1979 Orange Bowl. You went uh, to work? That second semester, I started to work more hours. Actually, I had a... I had a daughter that was born in March of 1979. Okay. So I knew that some of my academic plans had to be put on hold because I'd intentionally, I was a pre-law major, political science, and I intended to go to law school. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I had a responsibility, so I kind of started looking for some career moves that I could still maybe take some classes and still be able to provide for my child. Well, you said you went to work, but see, Dollar, I showed up around 1979, and I remember you being one of my first coaches on, on the freshman team. Yeah, uh, that was a paying job. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, I was a grad assistant. Okay, and, uh, okay, all right. I, I, I had considered uh, the coaching profession. Gotcha. And, uh, and uh, I think the coach I was born uh, believed that I could could be a successful coach. Mm -hmm. uh, coaching requires a lot of dedication and a lot of long, long hours. And uh, I had to decide whether I was going to put in the necessary hours to be a really, really successful coach. And I wasn't going to do it unless I wanted to be in the upper tier of coaching. Right, right. And uh, I had some other interests. Uh, you know, there there were there were things that I I did classes I took at the university like theater that that I really liked. I didn't know that I wanted a career in theater, but I was offered a scholarship in the theater department. Hmm. Uh, but it didn't give me the the outlet that football did. Right, right. Now, if I remember correctly, you did do some acting. Uh, you done some plays. Well. In recent years, yeah, I, I I revisited some community theater and some um, Flatwater Shakespeare Company and some things around town, just to kind of scratch that itch that that I'd had back, you know, when mm -hmm. I was still in college. Well, you know that that takes some that's a that's a that's a lot of discipline involved too because you go from being a, a, a defensive guy to all of a sudden now you're in theater. That's, 
That's quite a change, though. Yeah, yeah. No, and I mean, there are people, you know, that initially didn't know how to take me because I'm I'm kind of no nonsense about the discipline part and the learning and, and, and the focus. Right. And, uh, you know, and in theater, you, you got to be able to have some comic relief and, you know, because it's it it requires a whole different type of discipline. Absolutely. And uh, sometimes people would say, man, the guy's kind of intense. And it's like, you know, I'm just used to being focused. You know, when I, when I, when I come to work, you know, that's what I do. Well, I'll tell you, I'll be real honest with you, man. That's, that's quite a switch from football to theater. But look, there's a whole lot more coming. I want you guys to stay with us. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come right back with Dollar Bill, my big brother, on the Get Your Happy On Hour on 93.7 The Ticket. You're happy on our featuring former Husker receiver Ricky Simmons. And we're back. You know, I was uh, before the before the break. We was talking about how you dollar how you went from uh, defense to theater. If I remember correctly, you 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 did, you had some time uh, serving the country. Is that correct? Yeah, I did a couple of separate tours. Uh, what branch were you in? My my first tour was with with the Air Force or Air National Guard. Okay. Went on active duty for about a year to train as a avionics specialist. Yeah. And uh, just to see whether that's something I would like as a career. Uh, came back to Lincoln, finished the other three years at the Air National Guard base, and... Uh, I was uh, contacted by my brother-in-law, who lives in Atlanta, who was a certified mechanic, and he thought that we could make a go of it as a small business there. So uh, instead of uh, staying in the military, I moved there for a couple of years to to help him try to get his business off the ground, Mm -hmm. and it didn't blow up into what we thought it was going to be, so... I looked into getting back into the Air Force, and and they said, well, you should have stayed while you were <laughs> in because we don't have a lot of slots, but uh-huh. uh, you can go across the hall and talk to an Army recruiter. Maybe they would have something for you. So uh, sure enough, they asked me when did I want to leave. Wow. And I'm thinking, well, I'm I'm good. I'll just go to a a tech school with them and and I'm good to go but I wound up going to boot camp all over again and and I served the, in the US Army for 4 years. Oh wow, uh, okay. Yeah. Did you do any uh tours in, in the army? Did you uh, did you go overseas? My or? first 2 years were in Germany. Okay. Uh, how but, was that, man? Just I mean, I, I've never been to Germany. I mean, how was that? Uh, was that a different lifestyle, different experience for you? Yeah, it was. Uh, 
it was eye opening because I had heard things from people who who were prior service when when I was a kid. Okay. About the difference between the United States and and Europe or uh, Germany in particular, but yeah, uh, it was. Uh, I found the people, you know, very welcoming and uh, I don't know, just just friendly. And you said you did two years over there. Yeah, I did two years. Yeah. Okay, and then the other two years was yeah, I was with the field artillery unit in Germany. Okay. Although I was a legal specialist, I I managed to wind up in a field artillery unit. Uh, and once I left there, I had orders to come back to the States for m my final two years, and I came back to Fort Bend in Georgia uh, to a mechanized infantry division. So both of those were combat arms units that I served with. And about a month after getting back to the United States, uh, we were put on alert, and a month after that, I was in Saudi Arabia preparing for a desert storm and our our uh, movement into Iraq. Wow. I mean, I, I admire a big shout-out to all the people that serve, man. I mean, I know it's a deal where it takes a certain mindset to be able to do that, so I just want to show love to the people that serve because that's that's not an easy thing man i mean it it sounds good when you're sitting in the comfort of your living room but when you're actually over there in there i think it's a little different but i wouldn't know that because i've never been but i've heard enough stories so big shout out to you guys for doing that and and, and thank you for doing that when you when you got out of the military what was, what what was your next move well, I actually came back to Lincoln. Uh, I was discharged from the Army in January of 92. I came back to Lincoln, enrolled in classes, and graduated in August of 92. Okay. Uh, so you got your degree, and then you're – but I know, you, I know you well enough to say this. I know you got a hobby. I don't know if it's really a job, but you love – working on automobiles and working with automobiles because I've been to your house. I mean, you got a full-service garage <laughs> garage in the back. I mean, yeah. I, I, was, I was really impressed when I, when I first saw that. I was like, wow, this dude is serious about working on these cars. Yeah, that's, that's it, was, how, it was unintentional. How yeah. long have you been doing that, though, well, just I, roughly? I bought my first car. My senior year, second semester, I was still at Boys Town. Oh, wow. And that car, I bought it, drove it off the lot, and it. I got about six blocks before it broke down. <laughs> uh, and that began a long journey of learning what was under the hood of a car because I couldn't afford to take it to a shop uh, I just started asking questions, picking people's brains, uh, going, buying a few screwdrivers, wrenches, and what have you. And, and uh, by the end of that summer after my senior year, I had ditched that car that I had bought. Mind you, I had $200 in savings. I spent $185 on that car. <laughs> 
but but by, that but by the end of that summer, I I'd worked loading trucks for old home bread all summer, and I was able to buy another car. And uh, in, an interesting story was one of the guys I worked with said he spotted a a Volkswagen Bug, and the guy wanted one hundred and seventy dollars for it. Oh wow! He said, "But if you if you talk to him, you probably could get him down a little bit." So I went and looked at the car, liked it, I drove it, and I said, "Well, would you take one hundred and sixty-seven dollars?" And he said, "Yeah." So I go back to work and I brag about, "Hey man, I got that car bought." <laughs> yeah. He said, "Did he come down in price?" I said, "Yeah, I got it for one hundred and sixty-seven dollars." He said, "That's all." I said, you, I didn't know what you meant when you said you, you get it probably for get it for less. <laughs> so I should have gotten at least $25 off. But anyway, it served me well. It brought me to school in the fall. And it it was a work in progress. So I would be out in the parking lot of the dorms when I had spare time working on that, that VW. And people <laughs> saw me working on that slug bug. And would say, hey, are you a mechanic? And I said, not really. Uh, well, could you look at my car? And I said, I'll look at it, but I, I, I can't promise you anything. Right, right, And, and right. sure enough, after poking around under the hood and examining things and taking things off, taking them to the parts store and asking what it was, you know, I found out I could, I could put things back together. Huh. So, so that 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 started that hobby, or oh yeah, wow. You know, I mean, that's that's got. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I can't fix nothing. So I mean, I'm just impressed with the fact that you did that, and you're still doing it to this very day. I mean, because every time you get some free time, you in that garage. So you, apparently, you either got better or you learned something because you oh, still yeah. you're still dealing with cars. Yeah, it's 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 kind of that. A therapy piece. I mean, when you go out there, you just you're in your own world. Uh, the car doesn't give you any static. If it does, you just close the hood and say, "I'll come back later." To <laughs> you know, I'll sleep on it. And a lot of times, it'll come to me in, in sleep. The solution to a problem to to repair something. Well, so. you know, one thing I can say about technology, how it has helped, because I know sometimes you hit YouTube. Hey, I, <laughs> hey, YouTube is my friend. Say, <laughs> <laughs> so, so YouTube, you can, you can find how to fix anything on YouTube. So I'm a visual learner, so, you know, I reading a manual is just, it's a real slow grind. Yeah. But if I can just watch a person do it, I, I'm good. Well, Dollar, you know, I... Uh, I want to talk a little bit about what you uh, currently do, and uh, I'd like for you to tell the audience and, and the, everybody that's listening and tuned in uh, what you do, because I think what you do uh, is very important. Uh, can you explain to everybody what you do and who you do it for? Uh, I Currently, I'm a student advocate for Lincoln Public Schools. And my target population is the African-American community. And you uh, work out of the district office, is that yeah, correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, uh, my desk is at the district office, but I travel around the district. So you uh, go everywhere. Yeah. Uh, I, I work. 
I work a broad spectrum, though. I mean, my prim- my target population is African-American community, but uh, I work with people from all ethnicities, especially when you've been in the community as long as I have and you know as many families as I do. Right. Uh, I've, I've worked in health and human services as a uh, CPS worker or child protection and safety worker caseworker, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I've also worked as a, a paralegal for a few years with the public defender's office. And I've I've worked on cars and and uh bought and fold, bought and sold a few cars over the years. So working with the with the, the youth in these schools, uh I mean I've had the the pleasure of going to several of the schools just kind of like as just to, to visit you know not only do I speak in these public schools but just man some of those schools man that, those are some challenging challenging uh, times man for <clears throat> for staff because it seems like a lot of times holding those youth accountable is not the easiest thing in the world to do am I wrong or right there well yes and and no, I mean, the the most important thing about working with with students and people in general is is the relationship piece. Mm-hmm. So, if if I know you and I know something about you, uh, then it's a lot easier for me to address concerns. Right. And and that's the that's the biggest challenge I think is is getting to know students and families and. And, and building some relationships so that you can address issues that you wouldn't ordinarily be able to address. And and that takes time and a lot of energy. Well, you know, I know from from uh, just what little I do know is you've been in the community long enough so where a lot of these kids, you know their parents and grandparents. Is that right? And sometimes great-grandparents. <laughs> wow. So you, 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 can, you got something to build on. Well, that gives me some leverage sometimes when even I've had to speak to parents about some things that need to be rectified. If, if I'm not getting the, the, the needed response, then I'll reach out to grandma aunt or uncle or, or someone else that they respect and loose without discussing their personal issues I just say hey can you can you tell this parent that I'm okay uh, uh, that that you know me and that I really have their best interests at heart and and I've had some grandparents reach out to their children and say, hey, you know, I've known this man a long time. Uh, you can trust him. I mean, he 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 actually has your best interests at heart. Well, you know, I, I, I like I say, you're being real humble, which I respect. But I've seen firsthand some of them kids, and uh, it takes a special person to deal with them kids. Because some of those kids, uh, they have no consequences, and they've had no consequences, which makes it hard for them to understand that they can't do everything the way they want to do it. And you've been doing it. How long have you been doing this? 
Mm, this is my, I think, 15th year. Wow. Yeah. Man, kudos. Yeah, but the thing about it is, I heard someone say, and I, I'll steal that phrase, uh, children don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Correct. So uh, I'm not a reactionary kind of person. Uh, neutrality is, is the biggest challenge because I always say that people in general and, and children in particular, they feel you before they hear you. And, and if, they, if they, they know you're feeling some kind of way, then they shut down and lock down. And I, I just try to come in as neutral as possible because this is for you, not for me. I think that pretty much says it all. I mean, because to be really honest with you, they need to know that somebody cares. I want you guys to stay with us. We're going to take one more quick break. We'll be right back with 93.7 The Ticket to get you happy on hour. You're happy on hour featuring former Husker receiver Ricky Simmons. Okay, we're back. Man, I'll be honest with you. I, I've learned a lot. Actually, I learned a lot more than I thought I would from you, Dollar. I mean, I thought I'd do stuff, but I learned some new things. I just, again, uh, I want to thank you, man, for, for being open because I know you well enough to know that this really isn't your deal. You kind of like to be on the low-key side of things. I get that. But I just want to say thank you for, for making yourself vulnerable for us, man. That means a lot. Got to give a big shout-out to my big brother, Otis Lee. I see you out there checking us out. Appreciate that, big brother. And then I got Jalen Lane, man. I respect the fact that you said what you said. And uh, basically, if I remember right, that saying you was giving Mr. Bryant a big thank you for his service. I, I second that. So thank you, guys. And everybody else that's listening, man, I really appreciate that. Now, this part right here, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to try to get Dollar out of his college, out of his comfort zone again. But uh, Dollar, you done shared a lot with us about your upbringing, and you've also been very generous on telling us about what you do now. Even though you downplay it, I know that that's a demanding job that you got. And for you to be doing it as long as you have, what, 15 years plus? This is starting your 16th year. I think that that deserves uh, some credit. So even though you're not that guy, I'm still going to give you credit because everybody, including Ricky, probably couldn't do that job that you do. I, de I definitely want to know, though, when you get some free time, which – doesn't sound like you have a lot of it, but when you have some free time, see, I I got this thing about getting my happy on. Everybody know I can't dance, but, you know, in my mind, I think I can. So I be listening to music that we listened to in the 70s and 80s, 
and I try to dance. That's what makes me feel good and gets me through some some difficult moments. What does Dollar Bill do when he do find a, some spare time just for enjoyment and to get your happy on? How do you do that? Uh, I'm a music guy. I mean, not necessarily a dancer, but uh, from 60s, 70s, 80s, and some parts of the 90s, uh, you would you would be hard pressed to stump me for artists and uh, and titles of songs and lyrics. And I'm a firm believer that life is a lyric, and lyrics are life. So when you hear the words to a song or one of your favorite songs, and it just kind of takes you back to a place or 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 takes you away from a, a mood or whatever. But between the music and the garage, uh, I'm in my zone. You're in your zone. Well, you know, when you said that, I thought about something. Uh, I think when I came here, uh, I had a Chrysler LeBaron. <laughs> <laughs> and you was one of the first people to acknowledge it. And then you, and uh, we had, what was that song? I think it was The Duke. <laughs> I forget the name of the it. dude. The dude, uh, Quincy Jones. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh man, you yeah. you called me out one day after practice. It just caught me off guard because I didn't think nobody knew. Being from Texas, I'm like, don't nobody up here know what I'm listening to. But you was all, you was all over it, man. And and to this very day, we laugh about that. And I, I really, I've never forgotten that, man. So, you know, you, yeah, you know. no, no, that. When, when I listened to the music you were listening to, I said, this, this, this dude's all right. Man. <laughs> this dude's all right. Yeah. You know, I'm from Texas. And, you know, and I, at that time, I didn't know you was from Alabama originally. Yeah, see? So yeah. it, that's what caught me off guard. I just, I did what we should never do is I assumed. I assumed everybody in Nebraska was from Nebraska except me and Nate, you know. So, man, I just, it, it always stuck with me because we had this little saying, show you're right when you know you're right. Yeah, and yeah. we still use we greet each other with that on a regular basis, man. Yeah. So I just want you to know, man. Again, I appreciate you, and um, I know this was not an easy thing to do, but you did it for your little brother, and I appreciate that. That means the world to me, you know. And also, I want to take a little time, right quick, and and talk to people and let them know that uh, I really appreciate you guys, man, tuning into the show because we're all about having fun and being positive. You know, positive mental attitude is something that's very important, and a lot of people don't take that serious, but it can get you through some very difficult moments. And I always wrap up my show with the same line, and it's, it's a reason for that because I believe re repetition is important. Every day that you're blessed to see, it truly is another day in paradise, and no matter what's going on in this world that we cannot control, you got to remember to get your happy old. I appreciate you guys, man. Hey, we'll see you again next week, man. Y'all have a great evening. And I think the, the Hunter boy is in the house. Michael Hunter, the Malone show is coming up next, man. You guys stay tuned.